Welcome to Fractured, a podcast for anyone who wants to gain a deeper understanding of the modern refugee crisis and migration movements. My name is Sonia Nanji Kerman, and I'm a co-founder of the Refocus Media Labs Foundation. And together with my co-host Joel Hernandez, an editor of the Mixed Migration of Doe, we bring you a new episode every two weeks, either in the form of a deep analytical dive by Joel or as a storytelling piece produced by me. Each episode is supported by Refocus Citizen Journalists. This week marks one year since the Taliban took over power in Afghanistan. Since then, millions became unemployed after jobs with foreign embassies, militaries and NGOs vanished practically overnight. Malnourished children have flooded Kabul's hospital in recent months, and more than half the population faces life-threatening food insecurity. Yet the Taliban regime celebrated last Monday and announced August 15th, a national holiday. Today to speak more to me about the situation in Afghanistan is Reza Deep. Reza, welcome to Fractured. Thank you. Thank you to be with you. So I will first introduce you to our listeners. We know each other very well, but to our listeners who do not know Reza, Reza is a journalist, a photographer and a filmmaker. You worked as a journalist in Kabul. You are a former chief editor at Noor TV, former head of news department and Aina TV, and a journalist at National uh, Solidarity Program. I could probably continue. Uh, but important thing is you produced a 30-minute documentary on coronavirus in refugee camps for BBC Panorama. And together we produced a featured documentary even after death. That's not all you have produced, uh, but what is important for our show today is that you are in the process of making your next documentary about how the life in Afghanistan right now looks like after Taliban took over power last year. And to start our conversation, I would like to go to the beginnings one year ago, speaking for the Taliban, uh, Zabihullah Mujahid made a number of pledges for the new government and he spoke about almost everything, security, developing economy, human rights, women's rights to education. How is the situation of an average Afghan situation, a citizen one year after this change? Because most reports bring this tragic image of growing poverty, which I would like to speak more about later, but there are reports of fear among people, lack of freedom of movement for women, lack of uh, education for them. Is the situation the same everywhere in the country? Are there differences between countrysides and cities? And how are people reacting to this new government? Uh, first of all, thank you to invite me. And uh, thank you that you are doing something for Afghanistan for, and for Afghan people. As you know, Afghan peoples are so poor people they are suffering from the war uh, it's more than 40 years that they are in the war and, and miserability and the poverty and so on yeah exactly around one year ago the taliban took power in afghanistan again after 20 years after spending a billion billion dollar in afghanistan and making a lots of things so again they took a power and now they are controlling everything in Afghanistan. First of all, I have to say that it's so difficult to say 
what is happening inside Afghanistan because there is no free media in Afghanistan to uh, check everything there. There are some media, but they are under the control of the Taliban. There is a huge censorship in Afghanistan. The people and the journalists cannot publish everything that they want. And everything should be under the control of the Taliban and, and nothing can be against the Taliban. It's the first idea. Sometimes I hear from some of my uh, non-Afghan peoples that they say that, okay, we are not hearing any bad news from Afghanistan. But I said, okay, uh, when no news mean, does not mean that everything is good. No news means uh, uh, you do not have enough information about Afghanistan. Uh, the situation became worse and, and probably it, it will be worse because uh, in the past the Taliban uh, was a terrorist group but now they are a terrorist state or the terrorist governments. Uh, uh, you can see easily from the thing which uh, is published in the news something like they are not allowing the women's or the girls go to school, they are not allowing the women's to go to the work. Uh, uh, around 3 million refugees arrived in Iran and the same number arrived in Pakistan and many others uh, uh, arriving in Turkey, in Tajikistan, in India, in European country, in United States, in the Persian Gulf countries. So, and the information which I have, and I'm connecting with the peoples in Afghanistan, I couldn't see anyone who is eager to stay in Afghanistan. Everyone is trying to leave Afghanistan and everyone is trying to get the passport, but the Taliban does not issuing the passport for the peoples and, and if someone is going to get the passport they should go to the black market to get the passport. Uh, uh, we will talk later but as a, a small example I can tell you that the poverty is increasing day by day because the hundred thousands people are jobless and uh, uh, the people are selling their children, they are selling their part of their bodies um, and the people are uh, begging for a piece of bread and, and no one is going to give them. And another small example, when I was in Afghanistan, uh, uh, there were many houses that they, their prices were around $100,000, for example. But now the same house, the people are going to sell it in $10,000 and no one is going to buy it. And because everyone is going to leave Afghanistan, why the people should buy a, a house when they, want, they don't want to stay there? Yeah, it is. Since you're talking about poverty, if I can uh, interrupt you. So it seems to be the largest issue right now uh, in the country. United Nations says that uh, nearly half of the country faces acute hunger. And according to a report by the International Rescue Committee, 43% of Afghan's population is living on a less than one meal a day. One meal a day. Uh, and I also read the Save the Children report that says that, if I, I couldn't believe it actually, uh, saying that 97% of Afghan families struggle to feed their children. And all those reports right now at this anniversary in BBC, CNN, they're, they're showing those malnourished children in Kabul hospitals. Uh, yet the problem is not in lack of food, right? The problem is in the fact that people cannot afford the food. Yes, correct, correct. First of all, because it's a one year that the people are jobless. For example, I know uh, tens and tens of journalists, 
which are my friends, they are jobless. And uh, during the one year, they sold everything which they had. And um, right now they have nothing. So when there is no money, how they can get something in the market? There is a market, everything is in the market, but there is no money to buy it. And because there is no job for the peoples. And, and, and you know, a uh, uh, hundred hundreds company, they left Afghanistan. And, 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 and right now there is no company to give the job to the peoples on, or so create the income for the peoples and the people are living day by day. And the, I know the Taliban are controlling the border so seriously, but still the people are trying to get rid of Afghanistan. Yeah, of course. So in this context, uh, it is very interesting to me uh, to know your take on the assets frozen uh, by the Americans, not only by the Americans, but mostly by Americans. So the assets are not released. Joe Biden, again, refused to release the Afghan assets uh, to the Taliban government. And now there are two takes on this situation. Some people believe, and this is probably the majority or the more important people, uh, since it has not been released, that um, releasing the funds to the Taliban would legitimize this government. And this is something nobody wants to do. On the other hand, the situation is so dire in the country right now with so many humanitarian organizations leaving the country that people believe that those are Afghan money, money of the people. So whether it goes through the Taliban regime or not, it would eventually at least partly benefit the people. And since people are literally dying of hunger, those money should be released. What, what is your opinion on the subject? Uh, first of all, I have to say it is not the uh, Afghan government money and it is not the uh, Afghan people's money. It is the Afghan uh, supporting uh, money. I mean, it should be in the bank to support the Afghan currency to, to say that, okay, well, Afghanistan has a something uh, as a save uh, in the banks, then it can support the uh, Afghan money in the, in the market. Uh, but it is blocked. It is blocked. It, it, it's so risky and complicated to talk about it when uh, the uh, Taliban as a terrorist group are there. If they release the money, they will go through to the Taliban and they can increase their activity. The same thing is happening for other things. For example, the uh, many um, international organizations are trying to give the money to the uh, Afghan peoples to provide food or something that which they need. But they are afraid to do it because they are afraid if they give the money to the Taliban and the Taliban will use it for themselves and they will increase their terrorist attack in Afghanistan or in other countries. So it is so uh, uh, difficult to answer it because uh, I'm not an expert to say how they can release the money and if they release the money, what will happen. But I'm sure that, first of all, Taliban is thinking about themselves and they are not thinking about the uh, Afghan people, if they were thinking they could uh, uh, get a good agreement with the previous Afghan government and they could come inside the Kabul with a uh, very peaceful situation, but they didn't accept it. And they, they came with the force and they, they destroyed everything, every fundamental thing in Afghanistan. I do not trust the Taliban at all. Of course. I, um, I read um, a statement by somebody leading one of the top international organizations. Sorry, I cannot remember the name right now, but it was a lady 
saying that in the name of feminism, meaning not accepting what Taliban do to women's rights right now, not releasing the funds causes uh, women to die out of starvation. So where's the point? If if women are, are basically dying of hunger, they cannot fight for their rights. So it's this really really problematic, vicious circle right now. And if we're there, I want to ask you more about women's rights, because I know you've been working with several women uh, while preparing your documentary. And one year ago, the Taliban stated, and this is the exact quotation, we are going to allow women to work and study. Women are going to be very active, but within the framework of Islam. Yet, Girls cannot go to secondary school. They cannot even move farther distances without male companion. Uh, Most of the time they spend at home. They have to cover themselves. Um, And last Saturday, a group of women marched through the streets of Kabul, demanding as they chanted bread, work and freedom. And within minutes, Taliban security forces uh, detained several Afghan and foreign journalists covering this protest. Then several Taliban gunmen just fired over the heads of those women. Uh, and if you can lead us through a little bit of how it is for women in Afghanistan, from what you're hearing from the journalists working uh, with you, because what I'm hearing from my female students at Refocus the, the picture is really, really terrifying right now. And there's not much that they can do about this. What they pointed out to me at some point that during those demonstrations of women, there are not that many men supporting them. What, what is your take on that? Uh, first of all, let me mention you something uh, that was published by RSF, a reporter without borders some days ago. They say that uh, during the 20 uh, last year, we had around 3,000 uh, girls and women that they were working in the media. But right now, the number of the uh, women who are working in media is less than 100. And those 100 are working only in Kabul city as a capital of Afghanistan. And when they are in the uh, picture of the television, they should wear a mask. And so because they are a private television that the Taliban cannot interfere more than this, but they, they force them to wear a mask or most of the time. L- let me be clear in this issue about the women. Taliban does not look to the women as a human. They do not, they do not accept the women as a human. Each time when I'm, I'm listening or watching the interview of the Taliban's leader to the, some journalist, if the journalist is asking about the women's uh, and a women's right, their, the, the color of their face became red. I mean, they do not even like to hear the name of women's. They, they hate the women's. So we, I mean, uh, we as an Afghan people, we knew the Taliban. We knew that if they came, what will happen to the women's. We knew that if they came, they will not allow the women's to or the girls go to the schools. We, we knew that they will not allow the women's to go to the work. But it, it was the, uh, the United States and the Western country that they trust the Taliban and, and, and the thing that they say that we promise to let the women's and girls go to school. No, we knew it and we do not trust it. Right now, why the men are not supporting the Taliban? Because the men, because the Taliban are enough brave to shoot to the men's. 
they can shoot to the mans and, and immediately they can kill them by the second but they cannot do it with the women's because based on the based on the islamic uh, rule we have to respect to the women's a lot and so uh, but it does not mean that they are not violating or they are not brutal with the women's it means that when they are in the appearance of the camera or the TV or the journalist, they are so careful what they are doing. But when there is no camera or when they are arresting the women and, and the girls, uh, uh, as I know, uh, uh, three months ago, they arrested more than 20 girls who demonstrated in Kabul. They tortured them. They, I mean, keep them for more than two months in the prison and then they ask their family to come and to give them a big guarantee that they will not involve in any other demonstration. And they did. I mean, they provided lots of money and they gave them lots of money and they promised them that, okay, I will keep my girl, I will keep my wife, that then I will not allow her to go to the demonstration. And after that, they could leave Afghanistan, but there's still some of them are in the prison of the Taliban. So it, mean, it means that they are, the Taliban are so extremely violated with demands because of that demand cannot come to the demonstration. But the, with the women's, they, they are with the two faces. One face is, they, I mean, they want to kill the women's, but they cannot kill it in the street. Uh, but what, uh, uh, but the, in the in other hand, they, really, they hate the, the women's. And it, uh, honestly, honestly, yesterday I was watching an interview with, uh, one of the Taliban commander and uh, he called the women who are demonstrating prostitutes. So it was so shameful for them and for us when we are seeing the women who are demonstrating and, and they were shouting something so simple, break, uh, work, freedom, nothing more. I mean, they didn't say anything against the Taliban. It, it's a so simple thing, but I don't know why. They, their perspective to the women are like this and they call them prostitutes. It's so shameful and I, I try to talk about this issue. I, I saw um, a report, a relation, live uh, feed uh, on this protest on one of the Polish journalists' um, Instagram. Her name is Jagoda Grondecka. She's been there for a very long time. And she pointed out at the beginning that there was a big difference between how Taliban uh, treat foreign journalists and how they treat Afghan journalists. Yet this time, even she was taken to a police station, they demanded her phone, uh, but she didn't want to release it because there were faces of all those women who protested and they were hiding in libraries and shops nearby, so she didn't want to release it. And as when she refused, they called other Taliban women to basically beat her to take away the phone from her. So. There is a huge change even in the approach to Western media, to, to foreign media, because it was always obvious that Tal the Taliban can do whatever they want with their citizens, but they had a little bit of reservation towards foreigners. And it is clear that it is changing. And I can really not imagine how difficult it is right now to work for, for uh, Afghan journalists. Uh, I found some information that nearly half of uh, Afghan's local media outlets have shut down since Taliban took over power. And in these conditions, how are you reporting? Or how does Afghan television look like? What are they actually showing and reporting? And if there are independent reports, are they able to reach, um, uh, reach Afghan people? 
especially the ones who are maybe in countryside, not necessarily in Kabul or other big cities? No, no. I, I, I mentioned to you at the first that, uh, okay, let, let's talk from the uh, different perspective uh, to the uh, foreigners, journalists and the uh, local journalists in Afghanistan. Uh, I know some uh, American journalists who came to Kabul and the Taliban put the red carpet on their ways and they welcome them and they bring them with themselves. They, uh, uh, they provide them with uh, lots of Afghani delicious food for them. Why? Because they want to show something different to the Western media, to the Western peoples. But uh, and, and also it is important that uh, international journalists or the foreign journalists does not have access to the main resources because the Taliban all the time are controlling them. They are not allowed to go everywhere they want. It is about the foreigners, um, about the local journalists. Look, the Taliban, when you are saying I'm journalist, the Taliban look to you as a, someone who betrayed to the Afghanistan. The Taliban call you, hey, you are not a Muslim. You are a democratic person. Being a democratic or supporting a democracy in Afghanistan is a really big crime to the eyes of the Taliban. So when you say I'm a journalist, it means that you are an enemy of the Taliban and the Taliban hate you. Maybe they do not do something immediately against you, but they keep uh, or, or they look at you as an enemy and one day they will do something against you. It is, it is the uh, real normal thing in Afghanistan. I, I heard it a hundred thousand times from my friends who are who, who, who is talking in Afghanistan and they say that Anyone who is saying, what was your job? I say, I, I was a tailor, I was a shopkeeper, I was working in a restaurant. If I say I was a journalist, then they will say, okay, you were supporting United States. You are supporting democracy. You are against the Islam. You are against the uh, Taliban. So they maybe uh, not officially they kill you, but non-officially they try to hurt you or to, to, to do something against you. It is, it is, it is what it is in this day in Afghanistan. Um, the Taliban seems to basically not have a system in place of this uh, government, but just to give them justice, they are apparently working on some things like on energy and infrastructure projects. And I heard a comment by a Western diplomat saying that in this area, we're go going faster than uh, any government before. And despite the fact that there is really lack of structure in this government, they managed to raise something like $2.5 billion through customs revenues and mining. And especially mining was this um, really surprising thing for me, because apparently right now, um, Afghan government is shipping, sending um, so much coal to Pakistan that they have truck shortages. They cannot even export as much as they would um, like to. Can they get money to improve the situation from any other area? Is there something they can work on to improve except for this uh, mining business right now? Yes, it is one of the, my points that makes me so worried because Afghan war during this 40 year was not an Afghan war. It was the war between the superpower countries war. Right now, the China is so interested for the Afghanistan and um, they send some uh, peoples to visit the Afghan minings and uh, they are going to invest in, in, in somewhere in the country. 
Yes, it is. It is a right, but but we have to be careful because some of the project that they are shouting or they are announcing that uh, well, we are doing that. These are the project that were established in last twenty years. I mean, it is not their project. It is the project that was done before, and now they are announcing again, and they are saying that okay, we are opening this project, and we are doing for Afghan people, and we are thinking because of Afghanistan first. And second, we are talking about Afghanistan. It's it has a, a thirty-five million population. One billion, two million, ten billion is nothing for those people and those countries. I mean, uh, 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 we need a lots of lots of budget for these things. And 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 uh, with this kind of thing, it it never can change anything in Afghanistan. Yes, uh, 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 in the in the previous government, there was a big corruption. And and the money we're spending in the uh, in the governors uh, people's pocket, uh, right now th those money are coming to the Taliban's pocket. It is the big difference right now. But uh, because of the corruption, the the people were spending illegally in in the thing that were not useful. But right now they are spending in the money and they are showing to the peoples that we are doing well in Afghanistan. But in reality, no, nothing is is happening. I'm I'm. The information which I have in and it, it, they are uh, uh, really trustable resources, nothing changed. The people are really became poor and they are selling their equipment, their furniture, their home, their houses and, and, and so on. And, and I, I cannot see any positive light in Afghanistan so far. Is it far, fair to say that if there is one area the Taliban improved, it is safety in the country? I'm asking you because um, there's a UN data uh, saying that between August last year and mid-June this year, there were around 2,000 civilian casualties, from mostly from bomb attacks by uh, Islamic State of Khorasan. Uh, so it's about 2,000 people. However, when we look back to the previous years, there were usually around 11-12,000 casualties every year. Uh, before Taliban took over. So is this something they really managed to improve? No, it is not something like that. In the in the past year, the Taliban were killing the peoples, but right now the Taliban are, are controlling the government and no one is there to kill the peoples. It is a real big difference. Uh, so uh, they were the main problem, to kill the peoples, to injure the peoples, to uh, have a... a, a car bomb attack, to have a suicide attack, to, um, I mean, uh, not letting people to the travels and so on. When I was in Afghanistan, I was not able to travel from uh, uh, to the safe provinces like Kabul to Bamiyan. If I wanted to go from Kabul to Bamiyan, I was not able to do it because the Taliban were controlling the roads <clears throat> and they were not letting anyone to do it. So, so right now there is no Taliban to have a suicide attack and the number of casualties are decreasing. It is so simple. They were killing and right now they are not killing. It's not. But for Afghan people, there is no difference between ISIS and, and the Taliban. We know that they are one people. They have a, the same attitude, the same perspective. They both are extremists. They both are fundamental peoples. Only the different are about the color of their flags. One of them is white and one of them is black. And for us, if, even if, if, if you go and talk to the uh, one Talib, you cannot understand easily, is it a member of ISIS or is he a member of Taliban? Because both are talking in the same way.
for both uh, let me let me give you another example how many hazara people were killed during the this one year how many hindu people were killed this during the, this one year uh, how many uh, suicide attacks happened during the uh, this one year between the hazara uh, and shia minority peoples the same thing was happening on the past i mean nothing changed uh, uh, the people especially for hazara and shia peoples the same thing is happening nothing changed for them very interesting point, uh, but still referring to this issue of, of safety. Uh, I'm interested in the life of people who worked previously with the government or foreign um, NGOs. You already mentioned a little bit how, how their life is difficult. Uh, so uh, there is a significant increase in human rights violations, including those extra uh, judicial killings, detentions and tortures of Taliban. and. Uh, apparently between August 2021 and June 2022, um, United Nations recorded at least 160 of these extrajudicial killings of former government and security forces officials. And it is a scary number. It, it really is. And we know from people we worked with that people are hiding, changing their place of, uh, of, of stay. Uh, sometimes every week just to hide from it. Yet, at the very beginning, the Taliban government announced that there will be no repercussions for those who worked with the government. How are they, how are they explaining this right now? Are they even explaining it? Are they, are they making any statements or they just continue uh, with the violence and, and not, being, um, not, not even think that they should explain this uh, to uh, Western uh, governments. I think first of all, I am not. I, I do not agree with the statistic that the UNOMA published, because they do not have a clear resources. How we can, uh, uh, for example, I had a friend who who was arrested by the Taliban and the Taliban uh, tortured him and and beat him a lot. And after that, the Taliban said to him, if you published any news about this or if you say anything to the media about this. We know where your house is, we know where your parent is, we know where your wife is, we know where your children are going to school. We know everything about you and we come back again to you. And, the, and that boy didn't say anything to the media. The, the 100,000 things like this is happening in Afghanistan and no one knows. As I mentioned in the first, uh, there is a huge censorship in Afghanistan and no one knows what is happening. We are not talking only about the Kabul. Maybe there are some media in Kabul and maybe the people in the Kabul uh, because they have internet and they can do something. But there are more than 35 other provinces that the people are living there and they are so afraid to do any small thing against the Taliban. And if anything happened, they tolerate it because they know that if they do something, the Taliban will come back again and they will arrest them again. And the same procedure will happen. I mean, if it is beating or if it is torturing or if it is flogging. Uh, but yes, I, I know many, uh, uh, many people who work in the NGOs, who work for the embassies, who work for the civil society, they work as a journalist. And now they are, they are not safe. They are changing their houses from one house to another houses, from one relative to another relative, from one province to another province. And really, they are stuck in Afghanistan, and no one is helping them. And 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 uh, 
it is not even one day that I cannot receive a message from one of my friends or one of my, uh, my uh, uh, colleagues who, who ask me to help them and, and, and no one is going to help them. They are, uh, uh, some of them tries to get out of Afghanistan illegally, but in the middle of the way, in the police of Pakistan or the police of Iran, arrest them and deport them back to Afghanistan. But uh, at, at least I know 100 journalists who is talking Afghanistan so far. I know many, many people who work for the uh, uh, Afghanistan army or Afghanistan police or Afghanistan security services, but they are talking Afghanistan. And the Taliban are searching for them and the Taliban are perishing their families and their relatives to find them and, and if they are they are not giving them addresses they will arrest them so it is so horrible situation in Afghanistan in these days especially for the people who work in the previous government you already mentioned it twice that people are trying to leave they are desperate uh, to leave and it is hard I remember uh, some time ago you told me that the Taliban just shut down, closed all passport offices so people couldn't get passports. Some people tried to go um, through the mountains. They were trying to just cross, however, but they there were Taliban um, um, fighters on the road, so they would be stopped, sent back. Is there, there Has something changed? Are people still trying to... Um, of course, they are still trying to leave and probably... Pakistan, Iran are the main countries um, uh, they are trying to, to cross to. But how difficult is it to go illegally? How, is there any chance to get a passport to leave a legal way? And if so, what is happening to people later? If they cross to Pakistan, to Iran, are they uh, trying to go farther? Are they trying to go to Western Europe or other countries? Uh, we know that many people registered with UNHCR lists, but they are very full and, and it's very hard to, to get on them, to get an interview. Uh, what do you know about that? Uh, the chance of crossing the border illegally is really so low. Maybe 10% of the people can be successful to cross the border. But uh, you should be single. I mean, you cannot cross the border if you have a family. I know many people who cross the borders and they left their families in Afghanistan and all the time they are trying how they can get their family or how they can, they, they, they can uh, help their family to join them. Uh, when you cross the border and if you are in a Pakistan, you know a million million people are now in Pakistan and the UNHCR is not able to help them or at least to register them. If you want to register yourself in Pakistan UNHCR office, you should wait for six months. If you are lucky and if you, if you are so, I mean, a famous or well-known person, maybe you can find a way to register yourself. Otherwise you have to wait and wait and wait. Maybe it takes some year for you to, even for registration. I'm not talking about resettlement. I'm not talking about the interview, only registration. But if you cross the border and if you go to Iran, the, the story is changed. In Iran, there is no UNHCR activity. You should go directly to the Iranian uh, immigration office. And if they like you and if they check your background, then maybe they, they, uh, they give you some um, short time residency. Maybe they do not give you that. And, and of course, if you are not going to stay in Iran, so the, the problem will increase for you because crossing the border between Iran and Turkey is impossible in these days. There is a big wall, more than the 300 kilometers between the Turkey and Iran border. And if you, 
if you are lucky, maybe you maybe one percent of the peoples can cross the border and you came to the Turkey. Again, the challenges increase because the Turkey police will arrest you and deport you back. In these days, each week more than 600 people are deporting from Turkey to Afghanistan. I mean, they are not stopping deporting; they are deporting the peoples. So uh, about the Greece, you know much better than me. About the other European country, you know better than me. But in these days, the situation is really tough, difficult, and impossible to tolerate in Afghanistan, and 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 especially if you are going to leave the Afghanistan, you at, at least you have to walk for one week in the mountains. Maybe you can uh, uh, finally be in your destination, but probably not. You cannot be successful. I have to admit that uh, one year ago when Taliban took over power, I, I was predicting that we will have actually a big influx of Afghan people coming to the Greek islands where we normally work. And I was surprised that it really didn't happen. There was no big influx. I actually met only one person who managed to escape and then go through Iran and through the border. And I assume this big wall at the Iranian-Turkish border is the main reason for that, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. And also, uh, uh, the uh, Turkish police is so serious when the people are inside the uh, city border like Dubai Yazid, like uh, other small cities, uh, the police will arrest them and they, they even it is not possible to get the ticket to come from the border city to the Istanbul or to the Ankara. It is not possible. You have to walk and it, it means that you have to walk for two months. And so it is impossible. The people will see you and you cannot cross the border. I, I, I know I, I know the situation in Turkey is really tough in these days because the people are so afraid to be arrested by the Turkish police and there is no UNHCR at, in, in, in Turkey. They are not registering anyone and all the procedure belongs to the Turkish government. And, and so uh, uh, maybe if you are f uh, family, if you are so vulnerable people, maybe they give you a short residency, but probably not. I mean, they, you, will, you will be deported back to Afghanistan. So to close up the subject, we, we can talk about it for hours, for sure. But um, I want to ask you, I know it's not an easy question, but is there a way to actually help Afghan people without helping too much of the Taliban regime? My, my question is, most of the humanitarian organizations pulled out of Afghanistan. I think Red Cross is, and Crescent is still very active there, especially in hospitals. They pay salaries, they donate equipment and make sure that, that children in the hospitals at least have uh, food and medicine. But the situation is really getting worse and worse every day for average uh, Afghan people. So is there, do you see any light in the tunnel that something can be done without actually supporting the Taliban government? Of course, there are ways if, if, if there is a big if, if they want really to do something, but I, I doubt it. Uh, if you remember 20 years ago, uh, the same situation happened. The Taliban were destroyed and the regime was changed and there was no government. All the thing was done by the international community. I mean, they came to the Afghanistan, they start helping, they start fundraising, they start building, they start making everything from the new, from zero. I mean, right now the situation is not zero. There is something, but I, I doubt it if, if really they want to do something. 
I know that uh, it is an excuse to say that if we help them, maybe the money will go to the Taliban. I, I, I know they are afraid of that, but there are many other ways. There are some international organizations like Red Cross, like UNHCR, like uh, 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 UN Food Program. There are many other international organizations. They can do many, many things for Afghan people, but I doubt it because in these days, I mean, uh, Everyone is talking about the uh, Ukraine and, and Russian war and, and they forget Afghanistan. And unfortunately, Afghanistan is a forgotten issue about in, in international uh, community and international media. Unfortunately, I'm so sorry to say it. I'm so sorry to admit that it is really like this and it's not just this new thing. It's, it's been like this for decades, basically. And even before Taliban took over, uh, whenever people, friends, were asking me uh, whom we're working with mostly. We were so surprised to know that it was mostly Afghans, not Syrians, uh, because this is the structure right now on the uh, Greek islands. And they were asking like, so, but like, there's no war anymore in Afghanistan. And yes, there is, there was no active war in Afghanistan, but nobody knew about terrorist attacks. Nobody knew about the situation inside the country. And basically, this was my, ma my main reason to ask you to speak to me today, not only the one year anniversary, but also to bring the situation in Afghanistan closer to people, because I have a feeling that nobody really understands it. And if there's something in the news, they think that the moment that there is nothing in the news, that means that the problem is solved. And in Afghanistan, there are so many problems very far from being solved right now. And I think we really need to know it and go deeper and deeper to understand why there's such a big um, number of refugees from Afghanistan coming to Europe, to really understand, to support correctly, but also to look at Afghan people slightly different because very frequently, Afghans are being denied almost this right for asylum just because there is no active war at the moment. But when you compare the situation in, in many of those countries, sometimes I have a feeling that Afghanistan is, one of, is in one of the worst situations right now in the region. And one of the reasons for that is that it is very much forgotten by international media. I see reports right now coming because it's one year of Taliban takeover, but before that, it's maybe a report a month, nothing more by the international media. Correct, correct. I, I, uh, yesterday I had an interview with the uh, Finnish newspaper here, and they asked me, what do you expect from international community? I said, uh, let's forget everything else, only First of all, you the international community should accept their mistakes in Afghanistan. I know in the in the Finnish camps they are the people who is talk in the camps for seven years. For the seven years they were saying that okay there is a terrorist attack or for example that there is a corruption or for example there is no safety in Afghanistan. We came and we flee from Afghanistan because of this problem and they didn't listen to them and they didn't believe them and didn't trust them. But now, when the regime changed and when they understood that they made a mistake in Afghanistan, all the statistics and all the resources that they had was wrong, still they are stuck in the camp. And still they are, no one believes them. I do not know what's wrong with them. I do not know why 
they keep them in the calm. Seven years, it's a long time, Surya, you know it. Seven years, you can't pass, uh, I mean, uh, 10 semesters of university. You, you, uh, when a baby born after seven years, he goes to first class of school. So it's, it is really terrible. And it's really shameful for the, for the European and the Western country to keep the people still in the camp and they do not lead to them. And so I, I, I have nothing to say about this issue. I would like to leave people with this thought of people staying in the camps waiting for their decisions for years, even though the situation in Afghanistan is just as we presented it a moment ago. Reza, thank you very much for this interview, for giving us the insight uh, of the situation in Afghanistan and all the best to you as always. Thank you. You are so welcome. Uh, and I'm so happy that we are increasing the information for the people about Afghanistan. Please do not forget Afghanistan. Please take care of the Afghan people. They are so poor. They need your help. And they are so hopeful about you and your help. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Fractured. Produced by Sonia Nanjik Herman, Joel Hernandez and Refocus Media Lab citizen journalists. With a special support of Douglas Herman. Editing by Majid Bakshi, music by Eamon Kelly. Refocus productions are mostly possible thanks to our supporters, Allianz Kulturstiftung and Choose Love. If you want to know more about the refugee crisis and migration, we encourage you to follow Refocus Media Labs on social media and sign up for Joel's Mixed Migration Abdo newsletter. And if you're interested in supporting our work with refugees on Lesbos, in Athens, Berlin and Krakow, you can do so by donating to our Patreon on patreon.com forward slash refocusmedialabs. <laughs>